You're listening to All the Backlist, a weekly show about books that are not new. I'm your host, Vanessa Diaz. This is episode 417.5, airing on June 9th, and I am back. Well, back to this, you know, episode, or back to the show is, I, you know, I'm on here every five weeks or so, but I'm also back on the main show next week. But I do want to just go ahead and call out that my audio quality is probably not what it usually is, because I'm still traveling, still dealing with some family things. I want to say a quick thank you to everybody who's reached out to offer some very kind words of support. Um, but yeah, you know, we're all human. We're doing our best doing the thing as best we can. And for me, that means recording in a sort of closet situation in San Diego on a very, very busy street, which funnily enough, kind of is a good backdrop for one of the books I'm going to tell you about today. But before I get into my picks for this week, let's go ahead and hear from our sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I decided to do a thing that I think all the other backlist posts have probably been doing for some time already, which is to actually take a look at this week's new releases and see if there are any backlist titles by some of those authors that I might want to talk about. And I got really lucky and I'm, you know, lucky because I checked, but <laughs> lucky in that two of the authors who have books coming out this week are ones who I a, just really love and whose backlist titles I cannot wait to tell you about. I was so happy when I checked the list of titles and no one had told you about these before. So let's get into it. The first pick I have for you today is The Raven Tower by Anne Leckie. Anne Leckie has a new book out this week. It's called Translation State. The Raven Tower is actually the only one of Leckie's books that I've read, and I'm very aware that this is a thing I should fix. This new release is about a mystery of a missing translator. I'm talking about Translation State here, and the series that she's actually known the most for is the Ancillary Justice series. Justice? Justice series, <laughs> which won all the awards. I mean, all of them, like you name it, of <laughs> all the sci-fi awards. And that's about a warship trapped in a human body on a revenge quest. So yeah, and like his brain is a really cool place. As for the Raven Tower, that's the backlist book that I'm telling you about today. Let's let's go on this journey together of me trying to remember these details <laughs> because it is quite the premise and I love it. So let's start off by just setting the scene here that this is loosely based on Hamlet. And the primary setting in this story is the kingdom of Iridan, where for centuries there have been two gods. There's the god of the Silent Forest, which protects the land, often through a votary known as the Mother of the Silent. And then there is the god, the Raven, who speaks through a living bird known as the instrument. The uh, raven and instrument are both capital R, capital I. You with me? Okay, because what I'm saying here is that the god is the raven, capital R, and it acts through a raven. And that raven is called the instrument. Cool, cool, cool. Tight, tight, tight. We're all, we're all plugging along here. <laughs> so the other kingdoms, if I recall correctly, are protected by like other respective gods, but the raven is sort of believed to be like the most powerful. And the kingdom is itself is ruled by a human known as the Raven's Lease, who is given power and authority by the Raven, which again, is a god that speaks through the bird. And then the bird essentially like 
tells this human called the Raven's Lease like what to do. It's a whole circle. <laughs> and so the Raven's Lease achieves his power by vowing to sacrifice his life to the Raven, who is a god who acts through a bird, uh, when the instrument, that bird, dies. So in summary, when it's bye-bye birdie, it is bye-bye life for the, let's just think of him as the king, but again, is known as the Raven's Lease. So when that bird dies, who the Raven God speaks through, then you as the king who got your power by sacrificing your life or vowing your life to this instrument, now you need to sacrifice your life. So like, you get to do the whole ruling thing, but at the end, when that instrument dies, so do you. Hopefully you are following all that. If not, you know, go back a few seconds. Totally fine. I understand. So at the start of the book, we meet someone named Mawat, who is on his way to Iriden because his father is the current Raven's lease. And he is, <laughs> pardon the joke, at the end of his lease <laughs> because um, he is supposed to sacrifice his life because the instrument has died. And then his heir, him, Mawat, was supposed to assume the bench. So he's on this journey to go back to Iriden, accompanied by an advisor named Iolo. But when they arrive in Iriden, they learn that the lease, so again, Mawat's father, kind of a king character, is nowhere to be found and is believed to have fled. Somehow, his brother Hibal has usurped and assumed the bench. But that's not supposed to be possible. Mawat is not convinced that his father fled. That's something he wouldn't do. He knows that something isn't right. And also, during all of this, the borders are weakening. Invasion is looming. Awesome. Awesome. Good time. Complicated plot. It may take a bit to follow in the beginning. The book is told in like, sec is it second tense? Which is in an uncapable hand would be really, really weird, but is pulled off really effectively here by Anne Leckie, I think. And then the other thing, first of all, let's just pull call out that this book is fantastic on audio and is narrated by Adjua Ando, who I have loved forever and is also the character of, oh my gosh, Lady Danbury, like the, the adult Lady Danbury in the Bridgerton series, uh, the Netflix adaptation and in Queen Charlotte. Phenomenal, just like this rich, regal voice. And she is narrating this omniscient other god who like, it's going to take you a while to realize, <laughs> then eventually hits you, is a rock. Yeah, it's a talking rock. This god is a talking rock known as the strength and patience of the hill. And so this book is actually told in two different like timelines, one of which is the past. And by the past, I mean like the beginning of time. <laughs> and that is the version that you are kind of getting in you know, flashbacks, if you will, from the strength and patience of the hill. And then you're getting the current timeline where we meet Mawat and Iolo. So many reasons to love this story. There's obviously this like kind of high stakes figuring out of like what happened and like politics and intrigue that loose basis on Hamlet. Iolo's character, who is sort of like the Horatio here, is a trans character. And obviously it's not like explicitly said that way because you sort of get the vibe that this book is based, you know, some time ago, but is trans and it's just sort of stated and then that's it. You know, there's not a whole lot of discussion and we love to see that sort of thing. The intrigue, man. And then again, it's like the whole keeping those bits straight that I talked about in the beginning can feel like a little bit of challenge at first. But once you wrap your brain around it, it's really about everything that happens after that. And I just remember being really sucked into this book and its premise. And I've heard from a lot of people who really enjoy this, this book that it isn't even like close to their favorite, even though they really enjoyed it. So that, again, just reiterates that I should be going back and looking up those ancillary justice books. So hope that you'll pick those up as well. I definitely have Translations Day on my TBR. But in the meantime, make sure you pick up The Raven Tower by Anne Leckie. 
My second pick, and the one for which I said that these, you know, street noises outside of my parents' house might be very appropriate, is Blacktop Wasteland by S.A. Cosby. And this is another one that I could not believe someone hadn't talked about before, probably because it's still, you know, kind of recent, but it's so good. So let me contain my enthusiasm. (laughs) Spoiler, I probably will not succeed in that endeavor. So a thing about me that I'm pretty positive I've said on this show before, because I will tell just about anybody who did not ask, is that I love the Fast and the Furious movies. What's up to all my fellow Fast and Furious lovers? Uh, Jen, our very own Jen, who is one of them. I love them. I am unapologetic. It is not a guilty pleasure. It is just a pleasure. How did we go from, you know, LA street racing in the first movie to like a high stakes CIA mission to take down a terrible superpower and in space in the I don't know who, who cares I don't I love it <laughs> and I'm here for it all the time but what really matters that you you know get from that or glean from that is that you understand that I love a fast car movie I love you know the Italian job stuff like that I love a heist I love a morally gray character I love a white knuckled ride and woo boy that is what this is so let's actually talk about the book the main character is named Beauregard goes by Bug and he is an honest mechanic a doting, like loving husband, hardworking dad. He is out here trying his best to do right by the people he loves and to live life on the straight and narrow. But the thing is, in a past life, a pretty recent life, actually, Bug was also known all up and down the East Coast as the best damn getaway driver you ever knew. Like the best. You need a wheelman, you call Bug. Bug has left that life behind now. He has too much to lose, but like anyone who's ever watched a heist movie knows, there's always that one last job. (laughs) In this case, it's one that Bug wants nothing to do with. The job involves an extremely shady former associate and a jewelry store heist with a big fat payout, but of course, a big fat risk factor. So many, so many things. So much could go wrong. So much is on the line, but it's pretty much a thing he can't afford to say no to for reasons that I'm just going to let you discover because it's part of the fun. Bug is such a real character and he makes some choices, <laughs> choices that make you like, I remember actually reading this and going, bruh, no, <laughs> but you also kind of understand given the set of circumstances he finds himself in, he's he's haunted by like who he used to be. He's hellbent on protecting what he worked so hard to get tried to claw his way out of that past. But of course, is like sort of plagued by those thoughts of like, what if I haven't really changed? What if this is always who I'm kind of going to be? But that determination and sometimes desperation to, you know, come out of that also makes him a very dangerous man. So what I'm basically saying is like, buckle up. This is a ride, a ride, like trigger warnings for violence, for sure. And by violence, I want to say there's maybe some like gun violence and just like general like, you know, fighting altercations. <laughs> I was listening to this audiobook every chance I got and it made me reckless. Like when I was in the car, I kept catching myself again, white knuckled hands on the steering wheel and I'd be speeding. Like I would just unconsciously be like mm, hitting on that gas because I was like, oh my God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And then I would make this like ah, noise. <laughs> while driving or I would listen to it when I went for my walks and I would catch myself sort of like power walking aggressively. I was just so uptight listening to this book. And I love when a book can pull that off, which is not easy to do. But S.A. Cosby, man, just knows and has made a fine art out of creating tension, you know, with words on a page. It's so good. And again, if you audiobook, this one is narrated by Adam Lazar White, who is one of my auto listens when I see that he has, you know, performed a book. So 
you give yourself a little treat to both of these audiobooks. Got some really talented people behind the mic. Uh, or just read them in print. They're excellent as well. But if you want that, you know, immersive experience, then again, such a treat. And those are my picks for you today. Make sure to pick up their current releases. So again, for Anne Leckie, that's Translation State. And S.A. Cosby's current release is All the Sinners Bleed. That's all for me today. So thank you once again to today's sponsor. Thank you to our audio editor, Jen Zink, who is working overtime these days on my behalf and for whom I am eternally thankful. And thank you to you for listening. For more recs and general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts over at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. You can find a list of the books I mentioned today in the show notes by visiting bookriot.com slash all the books. And remember, if you're a fan of all the books and all the backlist and you want to show us some love, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We really appreciate those reviews. They help other book lovers like you come find us. And if you want to find me, I am mostly on the gram, though admittedly quite silent these days at Buenos Dias SD. In the meantime, I hope that you will go back and discover the works of these two amazing authors, and I wish you some happy reading.